0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to episode three of the SLP Corner podcast. Today's episode is going to be on SLP recommendations for developing children's speech and language. At the end of sessions or assessments, SLPs are often giving recommendations to parents and guardians to help with their child's speech and language development when they're at home and they're not in the clinic. This is really helpful week to week just for practicing and improving on skills. It helps with generalizing, so practicing the skill in different environments. And it also helps when a child's on a wait list and they won't be able to be seen. So it's important that the recommendations are understood and utilized. So I thought that it would be helpful to really delve into that today. A lot of the tips that I'm going to be discussing are from the Hand and Parent Program. Um, They have a popular book called It Takes Two to Talk, and The Early Start Denver Model. So for the first tip, it is reduce and remove distractions. So when I say distractions, I mean phones, TVs, other people talking. It's just nice to have some distraction-free interaction time with your child every day. So a common example is just to turn off the TV during dinner and engage in a family conversation. The second is following your child's lead while playing. So if your child is playing with blocks, you can try playing with blocks too. It's very common for adults to see that their child's playing with something, and then a parent might see a book and they think, "Oh, I want to, I want to read this book. Like it would be so much fun to read this book." So they, they get the book out, and then they try to get the child engaged with the book, but. Right now the child is very interested in their dolls and this is just a common mistake that all adults make. I've made it a million times in clinic and it's something you just learn with practice is to follow the child's lead. This will increase the likelihood of them attempting to communicate because they will actually be interested and they'll have that intrinsic motivation. So you'll probably have a lot more success with communicating with children when you follow their lead and what they're playing in and what they're showing Genuine interest in. On that note, this one can be tricky, but try to refrain from saying the word say. It is another thing that is just so common. Adults will see a toddler and they'll say, oh, say. And then you can say, say my name, say Shannon, say dog, say blanket, because it's cute and we like to hear what kids are thinking, we wanna hear what they're, how they're gonna pronounce it. But kids usually shut down when an adult is requesting that they say something. And this can really discourage their communicative attempts because just like anyone, it's not fun being put on the spot and no one likes to feel that social pressure. So try to refrain from saying the word say, of course it's gonna happen and it should happen sometimes. but But overall, really try to refrain from saying say and also try to refrain from asking too many questions. So there was a study and researchers went into a preschool classroom and they listened to how the children communicated with each other. They wanted to see what are they doing? Are they commenting? Are they asking each other questions? Are they telling each other what to do? And the researchers found that in this preschool classroom, the most common way the children communicated with each other was either commenting on something someone else was doing or commenting on something that they were doing. So they might say something like, I'm eating cheese or you have a banana and they barely ever asked any questions, which is so funny because the number one way adults tend to try to communicate with little kids is by asking them lots of questions. So if you want your child to be encouraged to communicate and share more, try refraining from telling them to say certain things or asking them lots of questions and more so comment on what they're doing. So this this goes into my next um, recommendation, which is be a sports broadcaster. When I say be a sports broadcaster, I mean model language surrounding everything your child's doing. So if they are playing with blocks, you could say, you're playing with blocks. You picked up a red block. Oh, you just put a blue block on top of the red block and continue going on and modeling what they're doing, modeling the appropriate language and saying what they're doing in short and simple statements. So try to make it that it's easy to understand, but it's at a slightly higher level than their language is at right now. So if your child's looking at a picture of a snowman and they say, snowman, you could respond back and say, a snowman's on the hill. So this is giving them a lot more information on what they're looking at. Then another recommendation I have has to do with when children produce errors in their speech or language. So this could be an articulation error. Instead of go, they could say toe. So or instead of instead of go, they could say toe. Or it could be more of a language error where they might omit a plural. So they might say two dog instead of two dogs. So when children produce these errors, it's important to just repeat back their statements in a positive tone using the correct grammar and the correct articulation. So this shows them that you are interested in what they had to say, but it also helps build their confidence because instead of an overt correction like, no, it's not, toe it's go or trying to overtly correct them and make them aware of their corrections when children are young it's best to just repeat back what they said in the correct form and just have them hear the correction without directly calling them out on it. So this will help develop their expressive language abilities and it just remediates their errors in grammar and articulation in an indirect way. Another very popular recommendation SLPs give parents is called match plus one. I like to call it match plus one or two because it is common that you're going to want to add more than one word onto what a child said to make it appropriate. So an example of this is just you're expanding what the child's saying by adding one or two words to what they say to make it grammatically correct or to make it something that's understandable to another person. So for example, if your child says, dog run, you can respond with, the dog is running. So you're adding some grammar onto what they said and you're also adding one or two words to make it an appropriate statement. Another recommendation is engaging in people games. So the Hannon program calls this people games, but the early start Denver model calls this sensory social routines. So you may have heard of people games, SSRs, or maybe this is brand new to you, which is totally cool too. So essentially engaging in people games helps encourage the development of social communication abilities. So you might be wondering what is a people what is a people game? What is an SSR? A people game involves the child's attention being directed towards another person rather than on an object or a toy so some examples of people games or sensory social routines are singing songs playing hide and seek playing peekaboo these are all having the child engaged with you directly and they don't have their attention on an object or a toy nearby this can really help um, improve their social communication abilities so, this, is, this would be in contrast to object, game, which, object games, which would center around an object like a toy. So, if you were playing with blocks together, that is not a people game anymore because there's an object involved. So, this is very important for cases where children have autism to try to really get their engagement up and get them interested and involved in the activity that you're doing and that they're doing with another person. But it can also be great for all kids to get them less focused on the toy, specifically what the toy is doing, and get them interested into what you're playing with and what they're playing with and how you can play together, which can really help encourage their play skills and their communication skills, which can prepare them very well for kindergarten and preschool. For my next recommendation, it is repeat, 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 repeat. For children to learn new words, they have to hear them sometimes hundreds of times. So you need to repeat those words as much as possible. You can think about it as if you were learning a new language. You would want to hear repetitions a lot because if you just heard a word one time, you're probably not going to remember it and it's going to be harder for you to eventually produce. So children's receptive language, what they know about language, what the words mean comes first and expressive language, what they say and what you hear from them comes afterwards. So you really need to develop strong receptive language abilities first and One of the best ways to do that is just repeat 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 to help them learn new words and learn new ideas about what's going on around them try to make it natural so you could just point out and name things as you go to keep them interested i remember my mom told me when she would take us grocery shopping when we were toddlers she would just talk to us the whole time and she said she felt like people thought she was crazy talking to her toddler but she just wanted to really enrich our language environment so she would say oh, we're walking down the cereal aisle. Look at this blue cereal box. Look at this red one. And imagine how many words that child just learned once you leave that grocery store because it is a great place for repetitions of similar words. And it's part of your routine because I know you can be so, so busy that it just feels like there's no time to practice these SLP recommendations. But even when you're in the grocery store, you could be working on that or when you're shopping at any place. The next is communication temptations. So on my website www.slpcorner.com I have a long list of communication temptations for you to use. Basically communication temptations just manipulate the situation to encourage a child to communicate. So an example could be you're blowing bubbles and the child's very interested they're very excited about the bubbles and then you close the bubble container so the child's They can't open it, but they want more bubbles. And you wait for them to request more. It's important that the child understands what is expected of them. So maybe the first few times, the child will look a little puzzled and they're not sure what to do now that the bubbles are closed, but they want more. And maybe their child, they're not, they're not using a lot of words right now. So you could say more bubbles. Do you want more bubbles? And then if you continue doing that in a pattern, After a few tries, the child likely, most children that I've seen, if there's not something else going on like apraxia, if it's an initial assessment and we don't know yet, the child will almost always begin saying more bubbles. And maybe at the start, they'll just say more and it reward any attempt because we're really trying to give them positive feedback like you shared something and I wanna reward you for what you shared so we're gonna blow more bubbles. And then eventually you can really expand that. So, my next recommendation is focused on perspective-taking. Perspective-taking can be very challenging for children with autism, but it can also be a big challenge for typically developing children as well. So, a study that I was just looking at was talking about children children who are 14 months old versus children who are 18 months old. And the study, it's a pretty famous study. It's called the Broccoli and Cracker Experiment, and they wanted to see if a child could understand someone else's perspective. So with 14-month-olds, they the um, adult showed them broccolis and they went, yum, I love broccolis. And then they showed them crackers and they said, ooh, I do not like crackers. Crackers are gross. And then they said, can I have one? And both of the broccoli and the crackers are on the table. Now, all of the children preferred the crackers because they were, the kids just would prefer crackers over broccoli. So they wanted to see, is the kid going to choose the crackers, which is what they want and think, well, I don't really know what you want because I have difficulty with perspective taking. So I'm going to give you what I want. Or can the child think, hmm, I know that, notice that you seemed like you did not like the crackers. So I'll give you the broccoli, even though I don't like the broccoli and I'd rather have the crackers. So, what they found is 14-month-olds would give the adult crackers, but 18-month-olds would give the would give the adult the broccoli. Even though they'd rather have the crackers, 18-month-olds were beginning to be able to see that and understand that, oh, you would prefer broccoli, so I'll give you your broccoli. And it's important to note that this experiment isn't saying, like, theory of mind is developed by 18 months. No, it's not. It takes years to develop. We're usually seeing kids around the age of four they they're really starting to get a hang of theory of mind but that those initial developments in perspective taking are forming around the age of 18 months old so it might seem young but kids that young are are being able to take on another person's perspective so if this is a challenging um skill for your child which it can be for a lot of children, especially children with autism, then it's a really good thing to work on when you're at home. So one way is just sharing your opinions and your feelings, especially if they differ from those of your child. So for example, if you are playing Jenga or you're playing with blocks and the child's ready to move on and they wanna play with dolls now or they want to go outside, it's really nice to just have them know you have a different idea than them. So you could say, Oh, actually I want one more turn. So if it's something that's very new to your child, try to make it just small enough that it gets success and awareness, but it's not too big that the child ends up having negative or hurt feelings that because they don't understand in the first place that you do have a different perspective. So try to make it very simple at first and then slowly expand it over time. So just Reminding them that other people have their own schedules, ideas, plans, and perspectives can really, really help. Another way is during play or daily routines, you can just set up small problems that will allow the child to, the opportunity to generate a solution. So if the child says, mom, we can play in the living room, you could get stuck behind a chair or you might not be able to move something out of your way. And then you go, oh no, I'm stuck. And they have to try to put themselves in your situation and take on your perspective to get a solution to help you move around the chair so that you can play with them. So both of these examples are taking advantage of what the child is doing. So really it's taking, once again, the recommendation I gave earlier of following their lead. So you are really following their lead and you're utilizing what their motivation, where their motivation is and what is going to get them motivated to try to help you out and work on what you want to target with their speech and language. So my final two recommendations, they kind of go hand in hand. The first is that I want to talk about child directed speech. So child directed speech is um, something that a lot of parents do naturally and a lot of parents don't do naturally. So it really depends on the parent. Um, Child-directed speech is essentially when you lengthen words, you make the words louder, and you also slow down the pace of your word when you're talking to a child. So when you're talking to a child and you're talking about maybe a dog, you might go, A big brown dog! So it's really slow and prolonged, but it's a bit louder. And studies have found that this child-directed speech can really engage a child's attention and they will be more interested in what you're saying when you're really captivating them with your words. So although some people might make fun of it or think it sounds silly, it's really helpful for children and it really gets their attention. But with that, I also want to say it's so important to keep things natural. So if any of these recommendations just feel super unnatural and you'd feel really uncomfortable doing them, of course you should always try to expand your horizons and work on things that make you feel uncomfortable. But if talking in a certain way makes you feel uncomfortable, just try to keep it natural. And work on what feels comfortable to you in that moment. And over time, many of these recommendations will slowly start feeling more and more comfortable. But if only one or two feels comfortable right now, then only work on one or two. It's important to remember that when you get a list of recommendations from a speech therapist, you don't need to work on every single recommendation. Just say, I'm going to work on communication temptations this week. Or, I really want to focus on perspective taking today. If a huge list feels overwhelming, just slow it down. And if you need tips or you're interested in tips of trying to put in these recommendations into your routines, I could do a podcast on that if there's interest. And also, you could mention to your SLP when they give you the recommendations, you could say, oh, how could I do people games during my routine? Or how could I work on communication temptations in this environment so those are all fair questions and the your SLP wants to help you and they want your child to develop their speech and language so it's worth asking and I really hope you find these tips helpful and I'm going to be trying to post podcasts every Monday so hopefully there will be one up this upcoming Monday.